Hey, I'm Noble. Thanks for checking out the message today. I'm so thankful that you're here and we would love to connect with you. An easy way to do that is you can text River Connect one word to 97000. You can also go through our website and find out more about us and see what we have coming up. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church, you can text an amount to 84321 or you can go to the giving tab at the top of the page. I just want to thank you for being with us today and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye now. So last week, I gave you a heads up of what we were talking about this morning, right? If you were here last week, you remember uh, one of the things that I highlighted throughout uh, the latter part of the Lord's prayers, we were looking at it, was this idea of forgiveness. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to touch on this a little bit, but truthfully, we're going to get into that next week. And honestly, as I'm looking around the room, I'm honestly a little bit surprised to see so many of you this morning when talking about forgiveness, which leads me to believe one of two things. One, either you you decided, all right, I'm just going to tough it out, right? I'm going to submit to the inevitable conviction that's going to come, and I'm going to take a look at forgiveness this morning. I'm excited uh, that I need some forgiveness, or... You forgot that we are talking about forgiveness this morning, and right now, as you're thinking about forgiveness, you're like, man, how many exits, how many ways could I get back to my car this morning, right? Because here's the thing about forgiveness. When we're talking about being forgiven, everyone wants to talk about that, right? Everyone wants to hear about being forgiven, because uh, that's something that it's like, yeah, I'm looking for that. I know that I've done something wrong. I know, you know, that I've made mistakes. I know that there's, that there was sin in my life. And because of that, there is a need for forgiveness. Everyone wants forgiveness. But the thing that people really don't, and when I say people, I actually mean me, the thing that we really don't want to talk about is forgiving others. Because forgiving others is way more difficult. It's way, it requires, uh, it requires actually getting rid of the bitterness that we have inside. It takes hold, or giving up that which we are holding on to. And we don't like to do that. And so this morning as we talk about forgiveness, and as this week is, I've been diving into this idea of forgiveness the last couple weeks as I've been reading and studying forgiveness, I'm actually very excited to jump into the word of the Lord this morning when talking about forgiveness. Because I think there's some things that we need to look at that aren't really talked about a whole lot when it comes to forgiveness. So if you would, before we jump in, let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Lord, this morning I pray that you would convict us. Lord, that you would help us to see your word. And that as we see your word, we will be challenged to live differently. Lord, this morning I pray that you would encourage us. And that you would guide us. And that you help us to clearly understand that which you taught us through your word. Lord, in your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. 
And if you've been around, right, that's not surprising, right, that we're in Matthew chapter 6. We've been diving into Matthew chapter 6 for a while now. And actually, over the last couple years, every fall, we've been taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount. We've just slowly been chomping our way through the Sermon on the Mount, taking on verse after verse, section after section. And we're picking up today uh, in this section where Jesus he is, he's teaching his disciples, right? His disciples, he sat down, his disciples gathered around, and then people, as they sat and as they gathered around and were listening to Jesus' teaching, a crowd had started to form, and so Jesus was teaching about thing after thing after thing. And so for uh, the section before where we are in verse 14, Jesus had been teaching them how to pray, He'd been teaching them what it looked like to pray. He said, here are some of the things you should do when you pray. Here are the things you shouldn't do when you pray. And then here is a great template for you as you pray. Don't say these exact words. It doesn't need to be this prayer exactly every time. But these are some of the things that should encapsulate what your prayer life looks like. And one of the things that he tackles there is forgiveness. And like I said last week, the the things that he tackles in his prayer as he's teaching the disciples how to pray, he kind of uses that as the outline for what he's going to be teaching about. So if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you can actually see some of the things that we're going to be talking about over the next week because he continues to expound upon them. So if you would read with me in Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, it says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And like I said, this is a continuation of the the very thing that he was teaching them to pray about in verse 12. If you jump back to verse 12, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so here we're seeing that this this idea of forgiveness is a very central theme to what Jesus says we need. And that's really the, the case. Forgiveness has become a desperate need of humanity. Why? Because sin is the core of the human experience since Adam's fall. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, since we were cast out of the garden, there has been sin, right? Sin has been the very central piece. We live in a fallen world. We are fallen beings. We are sinful. We do wrong. And so when we do wrong, the natural repercussion is brokenness, And forgiveness is what puts together that which we have broken. And so Jesus, as he's teaching, he's giving this continual call to forgiveness. He's saying, you have a need to be forgiven. You have a need to be forgiven by God. And actually what that represents is a broken relationship. And as you have sinned and as others have sinned, there has been a multitude of broken relationships. And so as you have been forgiven, the natural experience should be you should forgive others. But notice how I said the natural experience should be to do these things, right? It's not 
what it is. Our natural experience is to hold on to things. It's to sow bitterness in our hearts. It's to hold grievances against this person and that person, keep record of wrongs, and be angry and frustrated and annoyed and hate. And so Jesus says, that is not the goal. That's not why I'm here. That is not God's desire for you. God desires something greater. And what he's calling you to is forgiveness, both to be forgiven and to forgive others. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at, throughout Scripture, this idea of forgiveness. And as we look at forgiveness, I think there's kind of like two major pieces to looking at forgiveness. The first is, why we forgive. Why should I forgive anyone? If they did something to wrong me, if they did something to hurt me, if they caused me pain, why would I ever want to forgive that person? Why would I ever want to make things right? They did it. So we're going to look at that this morning. You thought I was going to give you the answer right there, didn't you? Some of you, I saw, you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Right? But the second thing we're going to talk about in a little bit is how we forgive. How do we go about the process of forgiving? But the reason why that's the later portion is you don't need to know how to forgive if you don't think that you should forgive in the first place. So let's jump back, and we're going to talk about why we forgive. Turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is laying out to the, the, the Ephesian church or the church in the city of Ephesus. And he's, he's telling them of the gospel and he's telling them what the gospel should mean for their lives. And so he lays out this very clear picture of how life should happen after the gospel sets in. And it says this, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be jumping to verse 7. It says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things In him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so the very first piece that we see there is, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And this goes back to what exactly what I was talking about before of the human need for forgiveness, right? When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had this perfect relationship with God. They were united to God. And we talk about how they worshiped God, right? People think, and I, you know, it's one of the things that I think is extremely sad is we think worship is only singing. No, worship is so much more than that. In fact, the way that Adam and Eve worshiped God in the garden was, it wasn't like they were just singing 24-7. No, the way that they worshiped God was being in close, intimate relationship with him. They walked with him in the garden. They talked with him. Your prayer is a form of worship. We've been talking about that over the last couple weeks. But we see there is this picture of how they were worshiping the Lord. They were walking with 
intimate unity with God. And then their sin destroyed all of that. When they chose to disobey God, when they chose their own path, their own way of things, they were broken. They were cut off. They were separated from God. And from that point on, God sought forgiveness for them. Actually, even before that, he, it wasn't a surprise that they sinned. But he had put in place a plan for forgiveness. Because why? We look and we see Paul then says, here is the picture. He says, after that happened, he sought all these things out. Why? Because of his wisdom and insight. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will. Before that, we were looking and we were like, we don't know why. But now we can see why. Verse 9, making known to, the, to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. And then he lays out what that purpose is, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. He says what the plan was is he wanted to unify us back with him. His whole plan is unity for all things to be unified. How? For them to be unified through him. And so the plan that he sets forth is Christ Jesus, right? He sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to live on earth, to be the perfect man, to be both God and man, and to live perfectly, to be this new Adam, as talked about throughout scripture, for him to be the new representation of humankind, and for him to live a perfect life, for him to be tempted, for him not to fall, and then for him to go to the cross and die taking the sin, taking the punishment upon himself to die and then raise again, showing that the price had been paid, that forgiveness had been dealt to us. And so we see there's this beautiful picture throughout Scripture of God's plan and desire for all things. He wants to unify all things unto himself. His goal is unity and redemption through forgiveness, through forgiveness of our sins, and that happens through Christ Jesus. And so as Jesus is here, and Jesus understands the will and plan of God, and as he teaches his disciples the plan of God, he says the goal is for us to be unified The goal is for us to seek redemption of the relationships with each other. Our relationships with other people are a reflection of our relationships with God who created us and who created relationships and who created every single person in his image. Your relationship with other people are a picture of your relationship with God. And he says... Why, then, do you think you can leave those in shambles? Matter of fact, why do you think you are in the right for keeping them in shambles? Yes, you may have not been at fault. Yes, the things that were done to you were wrong. Yes, you have hurt. He's not explaining those things away. He's not saying that those things don't matter. But what he is saying is 
There is a need, there's a clear need for forgiveness in those situations. Just as there was a clear need in your life for forgiveness because you had trespassed against God. You were in spiritual debt to God and yet he sought your forgiveness. Why? Because he, his desire was to unify all things. And I love what Paul says in verse 8 where he calls this a, like a plan of wisdom and insight. In God's infinite wisdom and insight, he has given us a picture into the mystery of his will. And we see in Proverbs chapter 17, if you turn there, Solomon expands or he teaches us what this looks practically in our life. If you don't know, Proverbs, an incredible book of wisdom. It's an incredible practical book that helps you understand how to live godly in very simple terms, which is great for me because I'm not, you know, I, I'm not good at complex things. I'm very simple-minded a lot of times. And so in Proverbs 17, uh, Solomon, as he's writing, if you don't know, Solomon's the wisest man to ever live. He asked, God said, I'll give you one thing. You can ask for whatever you want. And he chose wisdom. And in Proverbs, he continues to pass on that wisdom to his children. And then by proxy, we are given it as it's recorded in Scripture. But it says this in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, we see a, a glimpse into the Lord's wisdom that was given to Solomon. It says this, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. So what Solomon is saying here is wisdom is forgiveness. Wisdom is seeking to make things right because it shows love. But when we hold on to bitterness, but when we refuse forgiveness, but when we clench and we hold on to the things and the ways that we've been hurt, refusing to forgive, what we do is we become an agent of separation. We become a person who perpetuates the disunity that Christ died to solve. Right? Christ died so that we could be unified with God and by proxy that we could be unified with other people so that we could show forgiveness. But when we refuse forgiveness, we perpetuate disunity. We seek after separation. And a lot of times that's a really hard thing to hear. Because a lot of times when uh, someone has done something wrong, we like to view ourselves as the victim. And I'm not saying that you're not a victim of something someone's done to you. But we don't like to think of us holding on to unforgiveness as something that we're doing wrong. But that's the truth. That's what Scripture says. You have to figure out how to forgive. doesn't say immediately. doesn't say instantly. But forgiveness is part of following God. Both being forgiven, which we love, and forgiving others, which is difficult. And so that is why we are called to forgive. We have to pursue forgiveness why? Because forgiveness is God's will. It's God's will for our life. God wants what is best for you. 
And we think what's best for us is to not forgive, to not work through any hard things. But it is. He says it over and over and over again. And if we look, the idea of needing a savior, right, is being freed from our bounds to sin, right? We've been enslaved to sin over and over and over again because of our choices. And Christ died to free us from that sin. But what do we do when we refuse to forgive? We enslave ourselves to bitterness. We enslave ourselves to hate, to anger, to not ever wanting to see someone differently, to broken relationships, to disunity. And what Jesus says here is, if you are unwilling to forgive, you're missing what it means to be forgiven. You are. He says, if you have truly grasped the depth of your sin, your need for a savior, and understood the severity of your trespasses, the severity of the spiritual debt you were in, and to the length at which Christ forgave you, your view on forgiveness changes. Your view on other people's changes. You begin to experience a compassion for the mistakes and the wrongdoings of others in different ways. And so what he says is, is if you aren't willing to forgive, maybe you haven't understood what forgiveness means for you. And so time and time again, throughout Scripture, this is not an isolated case where Jesus says forgiveness is important. Throughout Scripture, forgiveness is talked about over and over and over. Why? Because it's something that's so difficult to practice, but it is so necessary, essential to our lives as believers. It's so necessary to who we are called to be as believers, And as we are called to follow the example of Christ, that means in all things, not just the things that are easy. And Christ didn't do a lot of like easy things all the time. Just a heads up, just a warning. And so we're called to forgiveness. But a lot of times, unfortunately, when we talk about forgiveness, it's kind of just left at that, right? Where it's just like, yep, you should forgive, figure it out, right? Or like, all right, we talk about forgive and forget. Like, just forgive and forget. Just forget that person ever did anything wrong. We don't ever talk about how this process of forgiveness should happen or how we continue forgive. When people do things wrong over and over and over again, time and time again, how do we forgive? Because Like I said, our natural reaction is sin and it's to hold on to bitterness. And so if we learn, if we have to begin to practice something new, something foreign to us, like forgiveness, we need to know how to do that. And thank the Lord that the Bible also teaches us how to forgive. So we're going to jump into that this morning. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. In Colossians, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. 
right? Same thing. He was writing to the church at Ephesus. Now he's writing to the church at Colossae. And, and you see, he's talking about this, this new identity or this new attitude that we should have as believers. As you have been forgiven, as you've experienced forgiveness, you should start to have a new attitude, not an attitude that is annoyed and angry and judgmental and filled with hate and bitterness and anger. No, you should leave those things behind and you should pursue these things. And he uses this idea of clothes. He talks about taking off these and putting on these things, putting on new clothes. These clothes, they stink. Right? He kind of uses the idea of death, right? We are spiritually dead. We were dead in our sins. And so if you were like dead for a really long time and you were wearing the same clothes while you were in the grave or in a tomb and then you got up and you're new, people are like, whoa, (laughs) like you stink. Like you need to figure out what's going on. You need to change. You need to take a shower. You need to change. And so he says, that's the same kind of thing. We're going to push this analogy, this metaphor further. He says, that's kind of the same thing with your attitude or with how you choose to live. He says, this old way was the clothes or the things that you were wearing when you were dead and those things stink. And you need to get rid of them. You need to put them off. You need to change. You need to change your attitude. You need to change the way that you're living because you're alive now. You've been forgiven. And in Colossians 3, 13, or 12 and 13, sorry. Uh, I may not have given that to you guys in the back. My bad. 12 and 13, it says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13, with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. He says, forgiveness starts with this new attitude. Forgiveness starts with compassion. Starts with kindness. It starts with humility. It starts with patience, bearing with one another. That's like the opposite of what the world teaches right now, right? If someone wrongs you, if someone says something you don't like, if someone disagrees with you, run them into the ground, right? That's what we're told over and over and over again. You should cut that person off. You should cancel that person. You should never hear from that person again because they say something you don't like or they've done something to wrong you. That's the opposite of bearing with someone. And so Paul says, just as Christ forgave you and as Christ is the perfect example of all these attributes of all these things living these things out if you want to know how to start forgiving people maybe you need to look at your attitude maybe you're immediately already assuming the worst possible thing about someone else Maybe you are already assuming that their intention was to hurt you. That they were intentionally trying to do something to take a dig at you. Maybe you're just like at wit's end this this person. You have no patience because they've done this. And every single little thing they do sets off a rage inside of you. 
We can go farther before we can talk about circumstance after circumstance. But here's the thing. If you want to forgive and start forgiving people, you need to take a look at your attitude. It will be infinitely more difficult, nay, I say impossible, for you to forgive people if your attitude is bitterness, impatience, hate, assuming the worst of other people, anger, stubbornness, pride, arrogance, you will never figure out how to forgive someone. Why? Because your experience is the pinnacle, right? That's what pride is. Your hurt is the worst possible thing, and that person did it specifically to spite you. And then you wonder why you don't ever want to forgive people. You wonder why it's so difficult for you to deal with the bitterness in your life. It's an attitude change. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that every person who has wronged you has had great intentions. That's not what I'm saying. But I think there are a lot of times where we do hold on to anger, where we get far more angry, where we get far more hurt because we instantly assume the worst possible thing. If we're going to follow Christ, we have to bear with one another, even the people who we don't always like, who aren't trying to bear with us. And this is not our natural attitude. I'm going to, once again, hammer that home. This is foreign. It's going to be difficult. You're going to have to retrain the way you think. You're going to have to have people hold you accountable. You may need to go to people and say, man, I'm really struggling with this. There's, you know, this person did this thing wrong to me. Help me see where I'm being impatient. Help me see where I am being stubborn or I'm not looking to be compassionate. Give me the opposing view. Help me see. Help me think the best. Call me out. Once again, that's not something we love to do. But if we see our need for forgiveness as so essential, as so crucial to who we are as believers, we got to start doing some things that we don't always like. But a lot of times when we start to have this attitude of forgiveness, unfortunately what happens is people take advantage. People take advantage of that. And what happens is you don't just always forgive someone one single time and then it's good. Right? I have a lot of this, these conversations. If you don't know, I'm also the recovery pastor uh, at our Waterford location. I have a lot of these conversations with family members of addicts. Like, man, they've struggled time and time again, and they've come to me, and they've apologized, and I believe that they're genuine, but they go right back to doing the same thing. And that's not an uncommon thing in the rest of the world, too, right? We perpetually do things wrong. When we seek forgiveness from God, like I talked about last week in that part of the Lord's Prayer, we are continually sinning. Even though we asked for salvation and we asked for forgiveness one time, we still sin after salvation. And so there is this need to continually forgive. But the hard thing is we don't like to do that. And so we seek an answer to our question of how often do I have to forgive? Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. And Luke chapter 17, like I said, Jesus is teaching on forgiveness. Like I said, it wasn't just Matthew 6 where he's talking about forgiveness. He doesn't touch on it in the rest of the Bible. No, it's a continued thing talked about. In Luke chapter 17, he's talking about this very question. How often do I have to forgive someone? 
And it says this in verse 4, Luke chapter 17, verse 4. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And if he continues, he actually says, if you, how many times do you have to forgive someone? Seventy times seven. You've probably heard that if you've been in church before, that, you know, you got to forgive someone 70 times 7. Now, for me as a kid, growing up, you know what that meant? I need to get really good at tallying the things that someone has done wrong against me, right? Once I get to 400 or 489, I'm like, hey, bud, you got one more chance, and then you're done. I, I, I can only forgive you one more time. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying... Your attitude should move from counting the amount of times that you've forgiven someone to actually seeking their restoration, actually seeking unity, actually seeking compassion and patience and to bear with them. He says, the very question you asked from the get-go was wrong. You asked, how often do I have to forgive? You're treating it as a chore. You're treating it as, bare, uh, as meeting the bare minimum requirement. You've missed it. It's not about that. It's about loving. It's about being patient. It's about being kind. It's about being compassionate. It's about seeing. It's about offering forgiveness. But a lot of times when we talk about this too, the idea is like, okay, well, I should just forgive them all these times. And I should just like, keep letting myself being used or be manipulated or be hurt or, you know, I should just, you know, keep letting that happen in my life. Well, actually, uh, you know, I kind of tricked you a little bit. If you jump back with me, Luke chapter 17, verse 3, the very verse before that, he talks and he, he explains that's not the case. Verse 3, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And then he continues. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and he turns to seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. He says, there has to be a clear recognition of the sin. Just because someone sinned against you, doesn't mean you just ignore the fact that they did something wrong. They did something wrong. It kind of goes back to the age old saying, you know, if your accountant steals from you, don't harbor bitterness, don't, or you should forgive, but that doesn't mean he needs to keep being your accountant, right? You have to set up boundaries, good boundaries, healthy boundaries, boundaries that help you be protected. Because here's the thing, the Lord's desire for you is what's best for you. And what's best for you is not to continue to subject you over and over and over to the same hurt because you just give yourself into it, because you enable, because you just are like, they'll get it this time. Now, that's not saying that when someone does the littlest thing to you, that you're like, all right, I forgive you, but you're all the way over there, right? But what it does mean is when there's serious, real serious hurt, when someone has done something really serious wrong against you. There's some been, been some real serious hurt. You need to work to forgive. You need to work to resolve that bitterness. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have any boundaries in your relationships. 
That doesn't mean that you should just right away have the exact same trust of that person. And I think that that can be a, a, a real place of guilt for a lot of people. Maybe you're feeling that this morning where you're like hearing this talk of forgiveness and you're like, you know, I just can't have that person in the same spot in my life as they were. And you've been holding on to bitterness because you just couldn't wrestle with that fact. No, the Lord says there was sin done. Acknowledge that sin. Rebuke them. And as they seek forgiveness, forgive them. But don't just give back in. Don't just enable or hurt yourself because you don't have the proper boundaries. You know, as we... As we close and we talk about truthfully this, this difficult truth, because it, it, that is what it is. It is a di- difficult truth. I want to reemphasize, I'm not minimizing the ways that you have been wronged. I'm not minimizing the ways that you have been hurt. I'm not minimizing the things that have been done to you that, that have le- left you in a place of brokenness. But what I am trying to help you see is that scripture and, and Jesus, he teaches us that holding on to that, that holding on to that bitterness and anger or hate, it will only lead to more hurt. It will only lead to those things festering, to those things holding on to you forever. And so this week, what I want to encourage you to do is take steps towards forgiveness. Take a step towards forgiving someone you need to forgive. And I say take steps because like I said, I know it isn't easy. Trust me, I know it isn't easy. And it's a process, right? Forgiveness is that process. It's not immediate. And so I want to encourage you to take a step towards forgiveness. Maybe for you that's setting up a meeting with, you know, maybe a counselor or or maybe me or another pastor or, or someone who has some real godly wisdom and asking them, you know, what does it mean to deal with the hurt that I have? What does it mean to start to forgive someone? Or maybe it's, it's sitting with the person who has hurt you and maybe they've been seeking forgiveness for a while and you've just been ignoring them. Maybe it's sitting with them and hearing them out. Maybe talking to them about the ways that you're hurt. Or maybe talking to them about the ways you're wanting to start to forgive them. Or maybe simply it's prayer asking God to help you to even be willing to start to forgive. I get it, it's hard. But we see throughout Scripture, and specifically here in Matthew 6, as he teaches us, forgiveness is necessary. And we are called to take steps towards seeking to forgive others because God sought to forgive us by sending his son for us. Seek forgiveness this week. Let's pray. Lord, forgiveness is hard for us. 
Lord, and it's hard living in a fallen world where we're wronged time and time again, where we hurt, where people manipulate or take advantage of, say hurtful things, do hurtful things. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the need for forgiveness. Lord, maybe a blind spot that we have, maybe someone who we think we've forgiven, but we've really truthfully been holding on to that bitterness over and over. Lord, I pray that this week we would begin to seek an attitude change, an attitude change towards compassion, towards these things that will help us begin to live out forgiveness every single day. Lord, and I pray for maybe that person in the room this morning who's got some real hurt. Lord, that you would help them to know that you see that, that you love them, that you care for them. But that the best way to deal with that hurt is starting to take steps towards forgiveness. Lord, and I pray that you would challenge each one of us this week to take steps towards forgiving. Lord, as hard as it is that you would help us, maybe you'd give us a little nudge to start walking, to start taking those steps. Lord, but that you would encourage us because you would help us to know that we are forgiven, that we have been forgiven through the shedding of blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and through his resurrection. Lord, we love you in your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen.